0: Alright, welcome back. We're going to be continuing our look at Hebrews chapter 4, or excuse me, Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4, 5, and 6. Apologize, everybody, I'm getting over a cold, so I might be coughing and or losing my voice at random times. (laughs) So I'm going to sit close to the recorder, so if I feel a coughing spasm coming on, I can hit pause real quick. Alright, Hebrews chapter 6. I'm going to start reading in verse 1 just to so we get a little bit of um, actually I'm going to go chapter 5 verse 11 chapter 5 verses 11 there's some good context here <clears throat> All right, about this we have much to say and it is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing for though by this time you ought to be teachers you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God you need milk not solid food For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works, and of faith toward God, and of instruction about washings, the laying on of hands the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. And here is our key passage. For it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, and have shared in the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the goodness of the word of God, and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away, to restore them again to repentance since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. And let's pray. Father, as we look again at these uh, difficult verses, Lord, I pray that you'll be with the teaching of your word, be with the discussion. Lord, I pray that we do a good job (coughs) of examining your word and trying to see what truth it has for us. Pray that you are glorified. Your name be prayed. Amen. All right, so last week, um, we had a handout that had some blanks. Will, do you have yours by mm-hmm. chance? Awesome. All right, so the first blanks are the five descriptors that are used to describe these people. Because <clears throat> I said what we need to do is we, have, we need to understand the five descriptors of this, this group of individuals. And there are two big questions that we have to ask ourselves. So the five descriptors, Will, do you mind reading those for me? Did you? Oh, you didn't write them down. All right. Well, they are been enlightened. That's the first one. Tasted. Shared. Goodness. Yep. Next one is tasted. The Holy Spirit. that number two? Mm Mm-hmm
1: shared the Holy Spirit <clears throat> Holy
0: Spirit is two and three mm-hmm. I've tasted the goodness of the Word of God and finally tasted the powers of the mm-hmm. Age Age to come All right and we we said last week at least I did that if I were to just read those without any other verses surrounding it I would say oh yeah that's definitely a saved person been enlightened they tasted the Holy Spirit they shared in the Holy Spirit they tasted of the goodness of the word of God they tasted the powers of the age to come I mean that's that sounds to me very descriptive of a saved person.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <clears throat> so then, when you get to verse 6, and then it says, Well, it's impossible for someone who has done all of these five things and then have fallen away to renew them to repentance. And that's kind of like a curveball. Mm-hmm. So then we have to ask ourselves, All right, so this group of people, what is their spiritual condition? Are these saved people? Are these unsaved people? And like, Who are they? What are they? What is their spiritual condition? And we also have to ask ourselves, what does falling away mean? And the answer to both of these depends on who you ask. (laughs) It depends on who you ask. So, I mentioned last week that my primary source, other than the Bible, of course, was the New American Commentary by David Allen. And he does an exhaustive job of analyzing this. And he pointed out that the spiritual condition of this group of people, according to the early church fathers, they said, yeah, these are saved people. And the debate wasn't whether they had lost their salvation, rather what the early church fathers, and by that I mean first, second century AD, the idea was that they fell into deep sin. And when they come back from that deep sin, you don't re-baptize them because the first baptism they had was symbolized their death, burial, and resurrection to a new life in the name of Christ was sufficient the first time, and there's no rebaptism for them. They can still be forgiven, but not re-baptized.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And... I had never heard of that before. That was a brand new idea to me, and he says <coughs> um, it really wasn't until the reformers came along where anybody started to say these are or this this group of people are only those who appeared to have been saved. So for the first fifteen hundred years, it seems like the only person or the for the first 1,500 years, everybody said, these are safe people who fell into sin, but they can come back. They just don't get to baptized. And the first person to say, I think otherwise, is Calvin. <clears throat> and I pointed out that that's kind of a dangerous place to be. If you're going to change what had been kind of accepted truth up to that point. And I would argue that most Protestant denominations today would tell you, if you asked them, that these are saved people. Now, (coughs) every time I start going, I get a cough. It just throws me off. So we looked at (coughs) what Calvin said about (coughs) them. Martin Luther said that these are saved people. Uh, John Wesley said these are saved people. You know, John Wesley started the Methodist church. But he would differ with what some of the early church fathers said. He would said these are saved people, and falling away does mean they lost their salvation. He said there's kind of a scale. you got Calvin over here. You have Arminian, Arminius way over here. And if, if I'm standing in the middle, because that's what I like to do, Wesley's left of center he's my left, he's closer to Arminian and he says I'm paraphrasing now his quote was anybody who reads this as anything other than a description of saved people is really twisting the scripture and wrestling with it to make it say otherwise and he says and anyone who says that this doesn't mean that they can lose their salvation is also twisting the scripture." So I think John Wesley was a Christian, and I think the early church fathers were Christians, and I, I don't doubt these people, but they disagree. These are all very smart people, and they disagree. So this is an area where I say, as Christians, we can disagree, <coughs> and I'll explain what I think later.
3: Has the term fallen away been used? Elsewhere in scripture?
0: Yeah, it was used in Hebrews chapter 3, 12. And we're going to be looking at that again today. Okay.
3: Yes. But anywhere else in scripture besides Hebrews?
0: <clears throat> I don't think so. can't remember. Somebody asked me that last week and I had an answer, but that was last week. Okay.
3: I thought
1: over. I thought it was just
0: Hebrews. Yeah, it's... The idea is definitely mentioned in a lot of places. So. <clears throat> but maybe that phrase
3: has not been used anywhere else except yeah. just here and in chapter three. Yeah, the only place I found was chapter three. Okay.
0: And I didn't see it mentioned anywhere else in David Allen's book or in the the ESV commentary that I read. Mm. Of course, the Catholic Church, they established in the Council of Trent part of to fight against the rising Protestant Reformation. They laid down what they said, and they they would agree with John Wesley. These are saved people, and falling away means you've committed a mortal sin. You have apostatized, apost- committed apostasy, you the Holy Spirit, you've fallen away. And most churches that say you can lose your salvation will say, based on Hebrews, well, you can't gain it back, because that's what verse 6 says. Other denominations say you can lose it, gain it back, lose it, gain it back, and it's this roller coaster. And people like that, I would say, I don't know how they can ever live a, a stable Christian life. They don't. Like right. you, you can't. They get saved weekly. Constantly worried about. Oh man, I sin. Maybe I need to ask God to forgive me again. I got to get rebaptized. I got to do all this stuff. And just what a horrible place to be. Up and down, up and down, just a, a, a emotional, spiritual roller coaster. <clears throat> all right. So what? <coughs> what David Allen. Proposed is that what this group here is, these are Christians. These five characteristics describe Christians. But falling away means that they are locked into a state of spiritual immaturity. And as such, they will not earn rewards. And we looked at um 1 Corinthians chapter 3 this is the, you lay a foundation which is Christ you're saved, you have Jesus, and then what you build up on that foundation the structure you build is the rewards you take to heaven and if you build it with hay, wood, and stubble compared to gold, silver, and precious stones well when the fire of God's judgment comes on that, hay, wooden and stubble gets burned up and all the Gold, silver, precious stones, that gets left. So that's what is he thinks that these mean. And he makes a very, very strong case for <clears throat> And we also looked at, were there people in the Bible who were saved and then lost their salvation? <clears throat> we only got to one of them last week, and that was Judas. Because Judas, if you looked at his life, Judas was obviously enlightened. He was chosen by God to be one of the disciples. Judas tasted the Holy Spirit, shared in the Holy Spirit. He tasted the goodness of the Word of God. He tasted the powers of the
1: age to come. Uh, when you say tasted the Holy Spirit, Judas <clears throat> clearly did not have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. None of the apostles did. None of them did. So he couldn't have. Tasted in the
0: way. <clears throat> well, <coughs> it depends on how you understand the word tasted. Right. Um, I mentioned this last week. It's worth mentioning again. Um, there's a podcast I listened to. Like, I, I respect the guy greatly. I listened to him. I wouldn't listen to him I didn't respect him. Right. But the way he described tasted it was it's not a full immersion into something. It would be. Like dipping your foot into the nice, you know, jacuzzi and saying, "Oh, that feels good," but then, you know, never actually getting it.
1: The only problem with that is <clears throat> Hebrews two nine says Jesus tasted death for every man. Yes, and what he said was,
0: "Well, Jesus, his death was only temporary." So Jesus has kind of stuck his foot in the jacuzzi of death. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Well, no, you can't say that because he died." Right. Like, he he stayed dead for days. He suffered a horrible death. And you can't partially die for people's sins. I mean, you have to die for their sins.
1: Right.
0: So I, I disagree with him right. on that interpretation. That's, I think I said last week, that's that's borderline swoon theory. He didn't really die. No, he, he fully <clears throat> tasted experience. experience. Even the, the biblical usage of the word tasted means a full experience right. with <coughs> when we talked about what does it mean to taste the powers of the age to come, um, three places that I read, they all say that this probably has to do with miracles. Because when Jesus was on the earth and he healed the blind, he caused the deaf to hear, and he raised the dead, just like in heaven, there will be no infirmities, there will be no blindness, no deafness, no muteness, there's no death. So the miracles are showing you what heaven's going to be like. So the miracles are tasting the powers of the age to come. And we saw in in the gospel, Jesus gives his disciples the authority to go cast out demons. And they can heal the sick. They can cause the blind to see, the lame to walk. So they were demonstrating the power of the Holy Spirit working through them. So that is why a lot of people say, well, I would say Judas Did all of that. He saw everything that Jesus did. He participated in the ministry. It says all the disciples were given that power. Not all of them except Judas. They they all got it. So Judas met that. So Judas (coughs) was someone who was saved, but yet then he fell away. Judas lost his salvation. And we'll look at the other person who is frequently brought up as a teaching of someone who lost their salvation in a second but that is pretty much where we left off from last week so will you the only person here that was here last week everyone else is either sick or should be coming in the door any minute now do you have any questions from last week because that was the longest message I have taught it was Over an hour. No questions. Mm -hmm. Perfectly covered. You didn't stay awake at night pondering something and say, okay. Does anybody else have any questions before we (coughs) start into the the new part? Yes. um, Go ahead.
3: So, Mm -hmm. in the discussion of Judas being saved, Mm -hmm. so in John 6, verse 70, um, Jesus is saying, Jesus answered them, "Did I myself not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil."
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Now he meant he meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Yes. So even before he betrayed him, he called him a devil. I don't think Judas was ever
1: saved. Right, and also John thirteen, when Jesus was washing their feet, mm-hmm. he said, uh, verse ten he who's bathed needs only to wash his feet, but it's completely clean, and you're clean, but not all of you. Mm -hmm. For he knew the one who was betraying him, and for this reason he said, not all of you are clean. And so when he washed their feet, taking his garments.
3: I think Judas was a a guy who was taking advantage, he was the treasurer, Mm -hmm. and I think he saw an opportunity. And I think that's (coughs) what it was all about for Judas was the money and the potential. He saw how Jesus drew people Mm -hmm. to himself and I think he saw a rock star in the making.
0: So if we are looking at Judas Mm -hmm. and we said if if on the outside we see Judas doing these things, what did all the other disciples think about Judas?
3: Well, I don't know what they thought about him because again, he was always so concerned about the money. Like he would say (coughs) things like why did you buy this expensive perfume mm-hmm. and then waste it on his feet? And Jesus would say, rebuke him for saying that. I'm not sure how the other disciples viewed Judas. Like, I don't know how they.
1: Well, when the, but I don't <coughs> think he. The did last supper when things. Jesus said, one well, of you's going to betray me, they didn't all turn and look. and Say, well, who's? I knew it. I knew it. Mm-hmm. Well, that I'm, is
3: true. They didn't know it, it was it, him. He was, he was but a I'm great actor. I, yes. I don't know. And that he really convinced. I mean, I I just don't I don't think he was saved.
0: Yes, I agree. Because, spoiler alert, I don't think you can lose your salvation. Agree.
3: But I th- and yeah. I think plenty of evidence that he wasn't saved. I mean, Jesus called him a devil.
0: Yes, yes, and and I'm very glad you brought those verses up. And we'll <coughs> look at a couple of other people today and what their opinions are on that subject. But. From see that's Jesus speaking about him. And mm-hmm. obviously Jesus knows the hearts of all men. But as the other disciples, if you were just if you were there, Oh,
3: I hear what you're and you're
0: looking at right. would I John known,
3: Paul. He was devil.
0: Yeah, yeah. Right. We would not have known. We would You've have seen, seen Judas doing this. Right. And we could have, we would have come to the conclusion
3: He's one of us. He's
0: one of them. I mean, he's one of Jesus' closest. I want to be like that guy. So we would have looked at this. Yep, 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 yep. His spiritual condition, that is a saved dude. And then later, when we saw what happened and word spread, it was Judas who turned him in, and then Judas went and hung himself. Now we're asked the question Well, he he fell away, but what does that mean? He was never among us. And that would have <clears> been a that would have been a heavy question. Well, man, Judas did that. Judas. Judas was so well trusted. He was given control of the money. You don't give control of the money to someone who hasn't proven themselves trustworthy in spite of how greedy and swindlerless he actually was. That was hidden. But on the outside, everybody's judging Judas. He's good. But that can be Mm deceived. You can do this. Sure. And outwardly, everybody says, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. But that's all that is, is outward appearance. Right. (coughs) And we'll <coughs> look more at that later. Mr. Boyd? Yeah. Mr. Boyd,
2: what was oh. the verse you gave in John
1: 13? Oh, in John verse? 13, that was, uh, oh, like, verse 10 or 11. Let that it real quick. The one
0: was, what, 6.50? John 6.20. 6, 620, 6.20 was verse, the first uh,
3: one I gave. I got that. And <clears> his was during the Last Supper. Yeah. Okay.
0: John 6, John, 20? I said
1: John 11, is John 13. It was 13,
0: you said. Yeah, 13, 10, 11, 12.
1: Okay. I, don't think <coughs> I
0: to Thank you. Okay. All right. So now we're on. Did I give you handouts? Give you two sheets. Okay.
2: I missed last week. But
0: you can later. All right, so we're going to be. This is this is one from last week. We're it's the same passage. One was last week, and one
2: was this week. That is last
0: week's. Part two is this week.
2: Thank
0: you. Oh yeah. Right, and that's actually where my notes start up. So we're looking at someone like Judas. We can't know whether someone is saved or not just by looking at them. And I use Judas as an example. What are some other examples (coughs) where it seems like somebody has walked away from Jesus, but they came back? Are there any examples like that you can think of in the scripture?
1: Either a parable
0: or a real experience.
1: John Mark seemed to have uh, disappointed Paul Mm -hmm. so greatly that he's not messing with him again. Okay, he's...
3: 't yeah, think about that
1: one. like he walked away' what Paul and had such a disagreement
3: over? I know but that but I think the disagreement was over his ability to, to take a tough tough trial that doesn't mean he, he didn't
0: his reliability
3: yeah his he didn't have <coughs> to took to be relied upon on a mission trip but not that he didn't believe that <coughs> Christ was oh, right. isn't saved.
1: Right, right. Okay. That happens see every saying. day. It, Paul wasn't saying he wasn't saved. Right, he was just, he just saying, said,
3: I can't rely on him, I can't right. trust him, so I'm, well, we're not taking him. And right. Barnabas was like, no, I'm going to take him, because he knew.
0: What about a parable about somebody who walks away, but comes back? Comes back.
1: with
3: his two sons. The, par- the prodigal son?
1: Yeah, prodigal son. Now, that's a parable.
0: That's not a real-life example. But he still got somebody who had it all, had a great relationship with the father, and then abandoned it because they want you know, money, wealth, and all the, the sinful lifestyle that goes with it. But after reaching rock bottom, they come back, and what do they find when they come back to their father? Do they find... Oh, sorry, you fell away. No repentance for you. What are they find? Wide open arms. All right, what about <clears throat> bashed Judas for a bit. What about another <laughs> disciple who seems to have committed blasphemy and even flat out denied Christ? Peter. Not once, but three times.
3: Peter.
0: I don't know him. He means nothing to me. I don't know that guy. I don't know that guy. Yeah, Peter. Yep. <clears throat> but Peter obviously was restored. So we do see stories of people who, to some degree mm-hmm. or extent, fall away, but aren't getting restored. <clears throat> All right, another guy who fall on, who fell away to some degree, but we don't see any restoration of scripture is a man named Demas. Anybody heard of Demas before? Demas ever saved me? Having loved this present world? Mm -hmm. That's that guy. So Demas (coughs) first found in Colossians chapter 4, verse 10 through 14. So Aristarchus, this is Paul writing, Aristarchus is my fellow prisoner. He greets you and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And Jesus, who is called Justice. So not you no know, Jesus Christ, but a guy named Jesus who also goes by the name Justice. These are the only men of the circumcision, or Jews, among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. All right, so Paul is naming these people, and you hear Mark. Okay, so we've already mentioned John Mark. I'm pretty sure this is the same guy. You hear Barnabas. Okay, we know who Barnabas is. He mentions Epaphras, and Epaphras is mentioned at the end of several other letters. So this is Paul, and he's writing all these people, some of whom are very well known in Scripture, saying these guys are awesome workers. Because I bear witness. <clears throat> That Epaphras has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis. Luke, the beloved physician, greets you, as does Demas. So, the list of all these people who Paul thinks are absolute rock stars in his ministry, Demas is one of them. And at the end of uh, Philemon, he says again Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you. So do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas. And Luke, my fellow workers. It's pretty much the same list from Colossians. So in the second letter, Paul is saying, man, this Demas guy, he's right there with me. He's doing the work. But then here's the verse that Brother Bill said, 2 Timothy 4.10. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Now, that's it. That's three passages where Demas is mentioned. Now, when you look up Demas and you do a Google and you start reading particularly what the Catholic Church says, Demas is associated with the person who just walks away. He, it is a synonymous with someone who's committed apostasy and just abandoned the faith. Now, the Bible doesn't say, like in that verse that, that you quoted, it doesn't say, you no, know, he abandoned the faith, he renounced Jesus, and now he's you know, worshiping Zeus again because that's a Greek name. It just says he deserted kind of church tradition which is really all we have to go on at this point says that no nope, he committed apostasy he's gone. In fact one of the first few searches of his name is Demas is a prime example of somebody who lost their salvation. Mm-hmm. I mean that's that's what you find. So when you're studying this and people say oh you can definitely lose your salvation Demas is going to be somebody that they will point to. So I said Demas is synonymous with somebody who's who has served in the ministry and then abandoned it, abandoned the faith. Um, A guy that I know, (coughs) in fact, a guy who was involved in this church and taught in this church and preached in this church, when he walked away, he says, I do not believe in Jesus anymore. I do not believe in God, which is the very definition of apostasy. He actually used the phrase, I am a demas. I am a Dinas.
3: Wow.
0: He, he took that name upon himself. Right. Now, <coughs> this is somebody,
1: this he, person nobody, I know. He never gave any indication. And he, he knew who that
3: is. Okay, so no. Pastor Sean was working with him closely. Yeah.
0: yeah. You, you would have looked at his life mm-hmm. and said, he has done all of these things.
3: Yep. All
0: of these things. I would have sworn that's a saved dude.
3: Yep. Not just you, a whole lot of people in the church. Mm-hmm.
0: But then when someone actually claims and they know all the implications of it, I am a demus.
3: Wow. I didn't realize he said that.
0: That, wow. that is, that, that, that hurts.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And now you're saying <clears throat> so I mean th- this is personal how far off were we I mean it's almost easier it's almost more comforting to say yeah he lost his salvation than to say all of us were fooled I mean that that's just the human nature of me it's, I would rather look man you were saved you, there's no way you fooled all of us I mean, it's, it's it, it's painful to talk about. It's not easy to talk about. But I mean, th- this this study hits personally for me in this regard because I was close to this person. Yeah. And
1: like, the problem is you you have to deny the efficacy of the word seal or the ministry of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. in sealing and. Uh,
3: for those that my father has given to me will not be snatched out of my hands.
0: <coughs> and you're right. <coughs> Go ahead. There's
2: time where he, that person will realize that that is not really the case. Even they're calling themselves a demon and saying they don't believe anything. Like, could there be something else? could there be down the road a time where oh, I was wrong and what was I doing, what was I thinking I was living for the world and myself and my flesh and
0: my everything yeah. and, and, and that, that is my prayer
2: mm-hmm. my
0: prayer is that he is a prodigal son and not a demon because what makes Hebrews 6.6 so absolutely terrifying and I would argue it's the second scariest passage in the entire Bible is it says, for these people who have fallen away, it is impossible to renew them to repentance. And <coughs> impossible. impossible. So, in other words, if somebody is saved, if they were to lose their salvation, that's it. They're damned. They blaspheme the Holy Spirit. There, there is no hope to bring them back. And that that's what most um, most denominations that teach you can lose your salvation that is what they will say if you've done this you cannot come back to salvation and my prayer for this person is that they're a prodigal son and not a demon. <clears throat> and as far as no, all those whom the Father has given me, no man can pluck them out of my hand. The, the argument against that is there is no external force that will pry apart God's hand. However, of your own free volition, you can walk away and he will let you. That, that's the, that's their, the counter argument to that. You're right. Nothing outside of that. There is no external force that can take you out of God's hands. But you yourself are not an external force. You can do this. You can do it. Nothing else can do it, but you can do it.
3: <clears throat> You're saying that's the argument of people that, that's the believe argument. that you can yes. lose your salvation. That is the argument. Right, which I that don't agree with.
0: E- every, every mention of God holding you, sealing you, yes, God does that. Yes, no outside force is going to have any effect mm-hmm. whatsoever. You're safe. Satan can't touch you. The world can't touch you. The same free will, volition, choice that you had
3: Which means to come to faith.
0: You can make that same choice to walk away. <clears throat> All right. So I mentioned that this is in your notes, I have the title This is the Third Warning that Hebrews has, this, this idea of falling away or, or backsliding as some people like to read it. Um, the first one is actually in Hebrews chapter 2, so let's just go back there to remind us of what that says. Hebrews chapter 2. Now we remember well teaching this, because this is where you guys got me going down the, uh, the rabbit hole of Arminianism mm-hmm. versus Calvinism.
2: Mm-hmm. <coughs>
0: Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Can someone else read that so I can try not to cough <coughs> and fail? <coughs> Hebrews 2, 1 through 4, please.
3: For this reason, we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was at first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard God also testifying with them, both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will.
0: All right, so this first warning here is a warning about drifting away. Anybody remember how I described drifting away those many, many weeks ago? Like boat. Like a boat. A boat that's not tethered to the dock. Get back from fishing, you don't tie it up, you lay down for a nap, you wake up hours later and you're half a mile from shore. It's very gradual, you don't notice it. <clears throat> and those that teach you can lose your salvation say that's how it happens. It's not, I get mad at God for one thing that happened to my life and my, my spouse died, my kid died, or whatever, and some great traumatic event happens and I say, that's it God, I hate you, I'm out. It's a gradual drifting away to the point where you just don't believe anymore. Now, <clears throat> I personally don't think that's what it's talking about. <sighs> kill me. Um, I can't even think. I'm just going to read the notes I wrote. We discussed drifting away and neglecting salvation. I stated that for a Christian, drifting away from the faith is neglecting salvation. That is how a Christian neglects their salvation. They just don't, they don't try to grow in it. I, I would say that this is more of what David Allen says. This verse, in my opinion, better matches his position than mm-hmm. chapter six. But a Christian, you got to keep it. you got to stay surrounded by a body of believers. Stay around people who believe what you believe, who encourage you, stay in the word. And when you stop doing that, that's when you start drifting away, drifting away. Before long, now you're in that perpetual, immature Christian state. Yep. <coughs> now, for an unsafe person, I say neglecting salvation is refusing to believe the gospel. So the way, as a Christian, I neglect it is different from the way an unsaved person neglects it. For an unsaved person, for them to neglect it is saying, I do not believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. You're neglecting the salvation that's being offered to you at that moment. All right, so that was the first warning. And... The first passage where someone can say, see, you have to keep yourself in the faith. If you don't keep yourself, you will drift away and eventually lose your salvation. I already said what I think about it. All right. Next one is Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 through 15. If somebody can read that for me, please. (coughs) Hebrews 3. Uh, Yes, sir. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 through 15.
1: Take care, brethren, lest there should be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart in falling away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it's still called today, lest any one of you be hardened by the (coughs) deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. While it is said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, is when they provoke me.
0: <coughs> Alright, so in this passage, um, the author of Hebrews is going back, as he often does, to that Exodus event, when the people that he had brought out of Egypt, they've seen the miracles, they've seen all of this stuff that he has done, they 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 tasted the powers of the age to come and the goodness of the word of god they rejected god's promise of going to the promised land they didn't have faith they didn't believe <coughs> so the first warning they get is you know, you need to take care so you don't fall away yourself don't be like those Israelites don't fall away
3: can I get you some water? Can I get you a,
0: a bottle of water? You know, yes, please. Okay, thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> and he also gives him a second warning in that passage: Don't harden your heart, because that's what he said those people did. They had seen the works of God over and over and over and over and over, and they still chose to not believe, not believe, not believe, not believe, until eventually God says, "You're done." you don't get to inherit that promise of that beautiful land flowing with milk and honey that I offered to you. You're done. You don't get it. So that is the second warning in Hebrews. And that brings us to the passage we read today and what it adds to it, the very scary part, is the the apostasy, the, the falling away, the great apostasy, it results in damnation and no second chance. That's what this this third warning adds to the severity of all the others. <coughs> now on your handouts, I, I left the quote by Chuck Smith up there, right?
2: Yes.
0: Could somebody <coughs> be so kind as to read that for you. I'll
2: read it for you. Satan often... Satan often uses this verse to a person who has backslidden. He says, man, you are out. Do you see what it says here in Hebrews? You've had it. That was the unpardonable sin that you committed, and there's no way to renew you to repentance. You are out of the game. This is one of those scriptures that we have to deal with often. As a pastor, as people come and they have, you can tell it, you can see it in their eyes, and they say, I think I've committed
0: the unpardonable sin. All right, stop there. It reads funny because this is a direct transcription of his sermon. Chuck Smith is a a pastor from, he preached for a long time, but I think he's been dead about 20 years or so. But I listened to him a lot when I put this in, and I just thought this was a really good quote. So that's why it reads kind of funny. Somebody just used a computer program to transcribe what he said into words. Okay, keep going.
2: We even have them calling on the phone long distance. I believe I've committed the unpardonable sin, and I always tell them, I know you haven't. Well, how do you know? Because you called. If you committed the unpardonable sin, you wouldn't care. The Holy Spirit wouldn't be dealing with you at all. You'd be so cold, callous, and indifferent that you wouldn't even care if you did. The fact that you're concerned and care is a sign that you haven't. God's Spirit is still dealing with you. That Satan loves oh, to use a really club right. over people's heads, and he beats them to death with
0: it. All right. <coughs> so, what do you guys think about that? Since I can't talk,
3: other people who talk, he can't talk.
0: He said, "What do you think about that?" He can't talk right now. The idea that that the big thing <coughs> I like is. If you're worried that you committed the unpardonable sin, you haven't committed the unpardonable sin. Because a lot of people, in fact, the uh, Christian Standard Bible, worried. right? The Christian it Standard Bible,
3: right? You <coughs> care.
0: Yeah, the CSB actually translates this as committed apostasy. It doesn't say fallen away. It says committed apostasy. Right. <coughs> and and many take that to be the same blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And he said, if you if you're worried about it. You haven't done it.
3: I agree.
0: (coughs) Somebody disagree just for the point of it. Yeah. No. Okay.
3: Totally agree with that. Disagree with your husband.
0: (laughs) What did you say? (laughs) Disagree with your husband. If I can count on one person to disagree with
3: me, (laughs) Yes, But she agrees with that point. Okay.
1: You mean she agrees with you that you can't disagree with
3: her? Oh, no. Loves to disagree
2: just oh. for the point of disagreeing. <coughs> debate. You like to the debate? Dad set them all up that they can mm-hmm. argue really well. And Megan just sits and smiles, probably. No, I'm just very emotionally driven on that. So <laughs> <laughs> you, you married you, you argue. Oh, <coughs> not, emotionally, not trying to figure out the loophole and everything that I say.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> Kind of touching what I mentioned earlier, where denominations that teach you can you know, lose and gain back and lose your gain salvation. That sounds like these people here who are constantly worried about.
3: And they're constantly getting baptized. They're constantly they every at the end of the weekend. They're always you know coming back to the Lord. Then they leave the Lord on over the weekend. When I was in youth group
2: one work as a worker one time, there was this one little girl, probably middle school age at this point. She always wanted to talk about her salvation and she always thought she wasn't saved, but then she thought she was and then she wasn't because in her home she was told, well you disobeyed or you did this and since you did these things you can, you must not be saved because you disobeyed or you were naughty, I mean you're a child. Yeah. So she was constantly being told, of course you still talk to them because you, you don't know if they are or they are not, but they need to find their own peace with that one day, however, and I'm not their parent, but they were always thinking they got saved and then they weren't anymore because yeah. they were naughty and got in trouble. I mean, what, a, what
0: a horrible place to put somebody. It's, yeah. and It's a horrible place to live. Like, there, there's no confidence that God is mine or I'm his.
2: But just, <coughs> that always bothered me. She
0: and, and he's right. Satan uses these verses to just keep people down. Right. If you can keep people constantly down in their salvation, then they're never going to grow. They're never going to be the effective Christian they should be. All right. <coughs> All right, so a few of the verses. I got 2 Peter on there, right? Yes. The notes. Somebody read those. I don't have the entire chapter. Just kind of pick the logical one. Somebody read that, please.
3: Second Peter two one on your sheet.
0: Yeah, it, it skips around a bit.
3: Okay, but false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will bring who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction.
0: Right, so we're talking about false preachers, false prophets. and the
1: church,
3: mm-hmm. right? False teachers, false <coughs> prophets.
1: Verse
3: 15.
1: (coughs) Forsaking the right way, they've gone astray. They've followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved gain from wrongdoing. Mm Go ahead, Will. For if after they've escaped the defilements of the world through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they're again entangled in them and overcome, the last state has become worse for them Than the first. For it would have been better for them never to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy commandment delivered to them. Alright, so, ready? You can
0: lose your salvation based on that verse. Argue against it. (coughs) They were teachers, they were there. The master bought them. Maybe sing songs about being, you know fault by the the blood of the Lamb, said the master fought them. They uh they had escaped the defilements of the world, but then they fell back into it. It sounds like they were saved and they lost their salvation. I can set up, but I can't argue. You lost your salvation. Prove me wrong. (coughs) (coughs) It's false though.
1: false when they lost their salvation. They were never saved. They were false prophets in the beginning. And they denied (coughs) the fact that Jesus paid the price for everybody. (coughs) So he clearly paid the price for everybody's salvation in Fayetteville. But not everybody responds to it.
3: I just never understood Balaam I mean that's just amazing to me because you know God spoke to Balaam and he was a prophet and yet he was playing both sides of the fence and remember when when the king wanted him to curse the people and then after God talked to Balaam he came back and said I can't God won't let me curse them so he had this conversation he had this relationship And then later on in the story, Balaam ends up telling the mean king how to get at the Israelites and to cause them to be cursed. And when he does, he ends up dying in the battle. God punishes him. So it's just really kind of interesting that he was a prophet. He was in relationship to God, but yet he did love money.
1: I think we're... We're not honest about the power that materialism has on us. <coughs> mm-hmm.
3: But the question <coughs> is, can you lose your salvation? And the question is, was Balaam, did Balaam go to hell? <laughs>
1: no, I, I think Balaam was saved. I think he went <coughs> to heaven. But I think he lost his... Rewards. Rewards.
3: That makes sense.
1: Balaam talked to God.
3: He God talked to Balaam. God talked to Balaam. Right. Balaam had an encounter with an angel. Yes.
0: I mean, because you look at, I mean, everybody says, oh, there are miracles all the time in the Bible. Not really. It spread out over thousands of but years. He sure saw one. Yeah. Yes. Thousands of years. Most people did not see angels. Most people did not see miracles. Very few people actually saw that stuff when you look at the whole of humanity. Balaam was one of those. Right. Balaam was in their deep. Was he someone who lost their salvation? Was mm-hmm. he? Never safe to start war. with. What, what no. are all these questions? Yeah, and depend on where you fall in certain lines is going to affect how, how you, you see how the you historic. answer
3: that question.
0: <coughs> Balaam is the Old Testament demon, someone who was. <coughs> you look at their outdoor body, everything's great, but then they abandon. You don't know to what degree. Was it they fell away and God? Took for Is
1: he the Old Testament Demas? Yes, yes. So,
3: That's what he said. He, yeah. said he was the Old yeah. Testament Demas. Yeah. <coughs> you know who another good example of that might be? Um, Samson. So Samson was given a command. I mean, right from birth, he was special. <coughs> and he was a prophet. He was born to be a prophet, and he was never to cut his hair, he was never to do mm-hmm. all these things. And he went and rebelled and did it all. And ended up losing his hair, mm-hmm. strength, and then he comes back to the Lord yeah.
0: in the end. He's a did, he's one of those almost, he's a deathbed confessional. So now yes. we wonder. <coughs> we actually talked. Um,
3: we briefly talked about that last week, yeah, and we then we were talking about what do you do with Judas in the same situation. Yeah, we yeah, talked we talk about Judas, about Judas mm-hmm. the, right. earlier
0: in. Because yeah. we said last week, it's not like we. We
3: brought up John 6. Twenty. Go back and read John six twenty and John
1: thirteen.
3: 11, 13 ten. Ten through 10 12. 12. So in John six twenty, he called <coughs> Judas a Jesus called Judas a devil. So there was a couple passages, and then at the Last Supper, what he says about Judas.
1: That was said, the same thing as said to Peter though. He says, "Get thee behind
3: yeah. me." Yeah, no, 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 he didn't. He says, "Get thee behind me, Satan." But I believe he was saying not calling. Uh, Peter Satan, but calling the influence that was influencing Peter Satan.
1: Right. <coughs>
3: but wouldn't that be the same? no nope. I don't think it's the same. He said he was, he says that um, Judas was a devil. He doesn't, uh, he's not calling Peter a devil. He's not saying he's being influenced by the devil. Right. <coughs> he's the saying devil. Peter was being influenced by the, be devil, calling the, devil. the devil. But he
0: called Judas a devil. Well, I would say a Balaam, <coughs> Demas, Samson,
3: mm-hmm. the only
0: one we can be sure about is in heaven,
3: Samson. is Samson, mm-hmm. because he's mentioned
0: in Hebrews 11, right? which we will get to. Okay. Right. But you know,
3: you could use Lot, and if it weren't for Second Peter, mm-hmm. you would think Lot went to hell. You would not have any assurance that Lot was saved, because right. look at his life. Yeah. Yeah. But Peter's if it weren't for him. Peter, Peter says...
0: Righteous. righteous Lot. Yeah, I would say Lot would be a always
3: soul day. was tormented day and night. All right. <coughs> yeah, he got you special would revelation know. from Jesus. Because there ain't no way
2: that <coughs> that's in the Torah. That is special All right. revelation.
0: You <laughs> got five There's minutes. Mm-hmm. Somebody, um, David Guzik, I think that's his name. It's another guy I read a lot. Somebody read his quote. You don't know. David Hugh?
1: He's, He's down down. Down. Where
3: is it? He's, it's right there. Yeah. I don't have a bat.
1: Here,
3: you, you bat. read it for him so he doesn't you have, have it. it. Just read it. That's why I what am I reading? That. David? Yes. Is it?
0: Yeah, yeah is go it? ahead. And
2: David its quote. Christians warmly debate the issue of whether or not it is possible for a true Christian to ever lose their status as a true Christian and fall away to damnation. Perhaps the best way of understanding the issue is to say that it is certainly true that those who are hearsay those who fit the description of Peter here can end up in a place where it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness. Oh,
0: this is talking about those verses in Peter that we read. Right. So, yeah, mm-hmm. okay.
2: Regarding these, those with a Reformed perspective will say that they were actually never saved. Those with an Armenian perspective will say that they were actually saved and lost their salvation.
0: All right, so everybody sees, you yeah, got Reformed on one side says, never say to start with an arminian saying they lost their salvation
2: to bitterly divide along the lines of this debate which focuses on things that are unknowable to outside observation seems to fall into the category of being obsessed with disputes and arguments <laughs> over words
1: all as
3: right.
0: in first <coughs> timothy 6 4. now <coughs> like right, what do y'all think about that <clears throat> hmm. <coughs> my uh, my favorite thing about that is is focusing on things that are unknowable to outside observation. Mm-hmm. So going back to Judas, everybody would have said Judas is good to go.
2: Oh, he met the five.
0: Yes. Everybody would have said Oh, You meet all five of these. If you would have looked at that friend that I had, he met all five of those. So whether they were saved and they lost their salvation, maybe falling away doesn't mean that they can't come back. Maybe, maybe, they, maybe, they, were, maybe they can come back and get saved again. Maybe. Maybe they were never, never Christians. And maybe they need to come to God for the first time, but either way, you're praying that person comes back, because we can't look at them and say, "Oh, they 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 definitely weren't saved," and and or they definitely were saved and they lost salvation. They're damned. We we don't know their spiritual condition. You can't definitely say they were never saved. We, we don't know. All we know is that they're saying they don't believe in Jesus and there are no unbelievers in heaven, you pray that they believe in Jesus. That's, that's what our position should be. Right Now, as far as why I think <coughs> that these verses, <coughs> or rather why I think you cannot lose your salvation is, um, a good rule of thumb is when you're interpreting difficult passages, use easy passages to help you. Passages that are extremely clear, and I don't think you need to argue too much over. So <clears throat> look at uh, 1 John um, chapter 2, and someone read 18 and 20. Wife, would you mind reading those, please? Will, would you read Matthew 7, starting in verse 21. We'll read these and we'll be done. 1 John 2,
2: 18 and what? 18 through, 18 through 20.
0: 20, please.
2: Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. By this we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. However, they went out so that it might be made clear that none of them belong to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. All right.
0: <clears throat> so in my opinion, and I, it's my opinion because I think it's right, this verse <laughs> makes it its very, very clear. Mm-hmm. The reason these people left, walked away from the church, walked away from everything, was because they were never truly a part of it. We would have looked and said, based on all the outside, what we can see, yes, they're a part of us. But the fact that they left is proof that they never were. And in verse 19, it talks about they did that, they did that, they did that. But in verse 20, it says, but you. So he's making, there's two distinct groups. Mm -hmm. There's they and there's you. They left you guys stay. Two distinct groups. So I think that's a clear, very, very clear teaching to me. Alright, and finally, I said Hebrews 6 6 is the second scariest verse in the Bible. This is the scariest. So go ahead, uh, Matthew 7 uh,
1: 21-23. Not everyone who says to me Lord, Lord, Mm -hmm. will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many
0: mighty works in your name? And I would say Judas Iscariot.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then, as, somebody, as an example of somebody who's done those things. <coughs> and then I would declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. All right. What's the key phrase there?
3: That's never what, knew me.
0: I never knew you. Right, you were
3: never, never. <clears throat>
0: never. Not that you're somebody I used to know, mm. or that kind of. Oh yeah, I remember you now. Tip I forgot about right. you. Yeah, but no. He says to these people who say, "Hey, Jesus, we we know you, man. We call you Lord. You're you're curious." Lord, we, we did all these great things in your name.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: He says, I never knew you.
3: Right.
0: It would have been different if he says, and I looked at others and says, I'm sorry, but you walked away from me. That, right. that, that's not, that's not right. there. <coughs> he says, to, to all of them, I never knew you.
3: Right.
0: But that is why... And I would say those, those passages are clear. You can't lose your salvation. <coughs> so I like um, David Allen's. I like his, his take on this is a loss of reward. I'm not really ready to, to go that and say I, I agree with that. I do like it. I think it was well-researched, and I'm going to continue reading that. <coughs> But bottom line is, I don't think you can lose your salvation. I think that is the, the clearer teaching of Scripture. Then you can lose it. However, <clears throat> what I would never do with that teaching is give anyone a false sense of their own
3: mm-hmm.
0: salvation. Right. Say, Look, if you feel like you're not saved,
3: only God can. You know need. Yeah,
0: you need to work that out. That's Right. I will be here to. I tell you what you need to believe, but you have to believe it.
3: I agree. All right.
0: Anybody have any closing questions, comments, Mm -hmm. snag remarks? All right. Because next week we will look at 7, 8, and 9, which continue this thing. (coughs) All right. See you all next week. Hopefully i talk better.